that we use the best things in the worst way. Now note his language here, that we use the best things in the worst way. We don't use bad things in the worst way, but the best things. And what might these best things include? Well, God's greatest gifts to us. The bodies that we have, the lives that we live, the families that we have, our work, the income that we have, and so on. And so what does it mean then to say that we use these things in the worst way? It means that we make idols of them. We force them to do things for which they were not created to do. We try to gain permanent security or happiness from them. And when we do so, we further misuse those gifts by keeping them for ourselves rather than using God's gifts for our neighbor. And then as a result, we become enslaved to them and trapped by them. Or perhaps more accurately, we have become trapped by our desires for them. We become disappointed as they cannot give us what we expect them to give us. You see, Satan has lured us, God's beloved human creatures, into captivity. But now we discover something as remarkable and unexpected as when God first brought creation into existence. Having created this world, your God refuses to let it go. He refuses to let go of his creation. He made it good. He loves it. The world is not the problem. And so God does not destroy his creation and begin again from scratch. Instead, he sets out to reclaim and restore his creation beginning with us. Because the problem began with us. In the process, he makes room in his life again not only for the creatures he made, but for the sinful creatures who rebelled against him. The one who created us as the very one that redeems us. True God and true man. He is creator. How does God redeem us? Well, there are two important dimensions to it. The first is that God dives down into the depths of his creation to take up residence in it in order to fix it for good. But he does so in a completely unexpected but not unanticipated way given his Old Testament promises but still an unexpected way. Consider then that God has always been present and active within his creation. Luther noted that the universe cannot contain God, yet God is present and active even in the smallest flower petal. And he does so in order to keep his creation growing and to keep it going. And now God also takes up residence in a manner different than in the Old Testament when he appeared in the burning bush to Moses. When he led the people of Israel through the wilderness as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Those temporary appearances of the presence of God were as a prelude to something that is much more permanent. So now, in Jesus Christ, God intervenes in a most personal and intimate way manner. He becomes present within his creation by taking a created body into his very person, 
and by living a creaturely life. He makes room in his life to take on a human body with everything that human bodies entail. Human, a human mind, human emotions, a human history, and a human DNA that goes back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. This is why then we confess with Luther in the Catechism that Jesus is, quote, true God and true man. Another way of saying that is that Jesus is at the same time the creator of the universe and a human creature within the very creation that he himself had brought into existence. Who could have imagined such a thing? The incarnation, Jesus coming down to earth and being born as a baby, affirms the goodness of creation like nothing else. By taking on a human body, God is saying something about the goodness of creation, about the value of, of it and its importance to him. But by becoming a human creature, God does more than affirm the goodness of creation. By becoming a human creature, he does more than come to be present and act within his creation in the face of sin and evil. You see, he becomes human in order to do away with, to destroy, and to overcome the sin and evil that infects us and through us, that has polluted and even destroyed his beautiful world. And he does it in the most personal way possible. The personal character of God in working with his creation comes through in no better way than in a manger in Bethlehem. And so what might this mean then for our art of living by faith? What it means to walk by faith? To begin with, it means that we cannot and should not look for the God creator anywhere else than in Jesus Christ. Faith does not look to the outer fringes of the universe. Faith sets its sights on this man, our brother, as God himself. God is where Jesus is. He is to be found in this man. This man is God, and God is this man. God makes himself known in this man. God identifies who is in this man. Whoever rejects Jesus Christ, in fact, re re in fact rejects their creator, their God, who has taken on human form to make himself known. You see, for God, it's personal. It is a personal rejection. It also means that God's work of redemption does not devalue the physical creation and our physical values. They are of no less value or importance to God than our souls. On the contrary, they are so valuable to God that he has embraced them in the most intimate way possible by becoming a part of that same creation. Just as God works through the earth to give us food and works through trees to give us oxygen, so now the one through whom all things were made, according to John chapter 1, works through his creaturely human body to bring about our redemption. And he does so in person, as the second person of the Trinity. For our sin and rebellion were deeply personal to God. Our sin offended God as it, as it involved a rejection of God and his purposes for us. They constituted an abandonment, a betrayal of God. Therefore, God, then in the most personal way possible, enters his creation, personally takes it upon himself, personally does away with it, and personally conquers it. 
Not only does he embrace creation and affirm the goodness of creation by taking upon himself a human body, but he works through creation, namely a human body to accomplish the redemption of all human bodies and all creation itself. And so how does he do this? And as Luther says, not with gold or silver, but with his innocent suffering and death. You see, the Apostles' Creed really hammers home the reality of his body with the words, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried. The nail in the coffin. And he rose again in the same body. C.S. Lewis said this very well when he talked about how Jesus as a pearl diver, one who strips himself and then dives into the murky depths to reclaim a priceless pearl and then bursts through the surface with that pearl firmly in his grasp. To put it another way, the story of the incarnation, the story of the manger in Bethlehem is a story of descent and resurrection. He knows that the entire plot of the Christian story turns on this point, namely, that God really has dived down into the bottom of creation and has come up, bringing the whole redeemed nature on his shoulders. The miracles that have already happened are, of course, as Scripture so often says, the first fruits of that cosmic summer which is presently coming on. Christ has risen, and so we shall also rise. So just as in the first article, we do not deal with God apart from creation, we encounter the goodness of God within creation as our creator. So now we cannot deal with the graciousness of God in redeeming us from sin apart from the very created human body of Jesus. It is through this physical creation, in this particular case, it is through a physical body of a Jewish man. It is only in this body fashioned from this very creation in which we live, that we encounter our Redeemer and Lord. So what does this mean, then, for the art of living by faith? It means that we seek God's gifts only in Jesus Christ and on account of Jesus Christ. It is only in Jesus Christ, only in the body of Christ, that faith seeks to receive the gifts of redemption that Jesus has acquired for us. Only in the body of Christ does God reveal his attitude towards us and his intentions toward us. And so what do we find? We find that just like a devoted parent, God will stop at nothing to reclaim and restore what is rightfully his, his creation. It includes not only taking upon himself a mortal and frail human body, a body that he retains into all of eternity. Remember that the hands of Jesus still have the, the scars. It includes suffering and dying as a human body by the hands of his rebellious and lost human creatures. And he does all this for us. For the creatures who were made in his image and given the privilege of ruling over his creation. The creatures who rejected him and sought to usurp his glory, and now the creatures that he will not only restore, but will adopt as children and heirs of his kingdom. This has profound implications for us. It means that when things happen that we cannot understand, 
That when tragedies happen that defy explanation, that when we cannot make sense of things, that faith turns to the person and work of Jesus. This is what Luther gets at when he talks about the hidden God and the proclaimed God. You see, when we go looking for answers to things, in places other than in Jesus, we find ourselves lost, frustrated, and angry. For when we look elsewhere, we encounter the silence of God. We find a God who does not give us the answers that we want. One who is not accountable or answerable to us, his creatures. But in the flesh and in the blood of Jesus, in his life, and especially in his death, we encounter God speaking to us and speaking a word of love. As St. Paul puts it in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is manifested in that while we were yet sinners, that Jesus died for us. So over against the answered question, over the lack of of explanations, I say, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why, I don't know what this means, but I do know this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. As C.S. Lewis once said, Jesus is the missing chapter to our lives. And that makes sense of our lives. In Christ, our stories now make sense. We could put it another way. That in Jesus, we see our story, the entire story of our lives. We see in Jesus our past and present. The one who created us and preserves us. And we see in him our future. The one who redeems us and will raise us from the dead. For Jesus is our creator. Jesus is our redeemer. Thus our past and our future are found in him and are united in him. In the name of Jesus, amen. At this time, we sing our next hymn, which is, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. That's number 437. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, number 437.
time we collect our tithes and offerings. We apologize for the delay at the beginning of the service, equipment difficulties. The Trinity Lutheran School Early Childhood and Development is enrolling for the 2017 and 18 school year. Trinity is cur currently enrolling for preschool, ages three and up, pre-kindergarten, ages four and up, and kindergarten, ages five and up. Kindergarten screaming will be held on Friday, March 31st, and preschool and pre-kindergarten screening is by appointment. Call the office at 235-5931 if you would like to enroll your student in these classes or to schedule a screening. Trinity is an accredited school that offers a solid Christian and academic foundation. Call, call 235-5931 to find out more about the wonderful opportunities that Trinity School offers. Please rise for prayer. We continue with a prayer that is found in the service of prayer and preaching. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. With the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather, and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those that we know, Lord, who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, especially, Lord, those we name before you in our hearts now. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all of our needs of body and soul, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Holy God, our lives are laid open before you. Rescue us from the chaos of sin. and the death of your Son, bring us healing. And make us whole in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so read grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that but the patience and comfort of your holy word we may embrace, and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And we pray together Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. Please be seated. We will sing our closing hymn, I Am Trusting Thee, Lord Jesus. That's number 729, 729. We thank you for worshiping us with us this evening, and we commend you for and to have a blessed evening. We look forward to 
you worshiping with us next Sunday at 10 o'clock. If you're unable to attend, please listen on freistatradio.com. This has been your announcer, Scott George. Have a blessed evening.